Well, good morning. When I stepped into my Sunday school class this morning, the last thing I expected would be standing here. Uh, and then June called me and said, where are you? Are you in church? I said, yeah. She said, Ben's sick. And I was like, are you asking me to preach? <laughs> so, um, I had done a sermon in Uganda, and I thought, well, this would be neat someday to bring this to the church. I just didn't expect it that I would have to run home and grab it and bring it right back. Um, and I would have a more difficult time if it wasn't for being in Uganda two weeks ago. I There were some experiences. I'll kind of give you a little bit of background before we get into the sermon. Um, we landed there and they asked me to preach the sermon on Sunday, the first Sunday. We got there on Saturday and exchanged money and did all that. And uh, uh, this sermon will be half as long because I don't have to have it translated. So nice for you, it won't be as long. But when I, uh, after delivering the sermon on Tuesday, they said, uh, we'd like to go door to door evangelizing around the village of Hope and just talking to people. And they said, be careful because some of them are Muslim. And he said, you don't want to get upset with somebody that they come out and start beating you with a stick. And I'm like, that's possible? He goes, oh, yeah, it's possible. I was like, okay. And um, I went with the pastor, and we he pulled the van, opened the door up, and he says, uh, there's a bunch of people there. He goes, okay, start preaching to them. I'm like, what? He's like, preach. And I was like, had my head down. He goes, what's the matter? I said, I'm praying for myself first <laughs> before I start talking. I said, you are going to interpret, right? And he said, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I started thinking, what am I going to say? And I remember something that the pastor said here many times is that the power is in the gospel. All I have to do is preach the word. And I was thinking, tell these people why Jesus, why Jesus had to come. And so I started doing that and talking to him. And each group that I talked to, I explained that. At one point, he had to stop me. And he said, what? He goes, um, they're ready to accept Christ. We can stop talking. I was like, oh, praise God. You know, so it was so exciting to watch people come to Christ. And one lady I spoke to, uh, we, she was digging in the field and she was, uh, she was a Muslim. And I went up and was talking to her, and I was talking to her about what we were doing, that we had Bibles to hand out, and that if there was any prayer requests she had, and she said, told me that she was a Muslim, and I asked her, I said, what happens after you die? She says, well, we believe that you're resurrected. I said, that's great. I said, what happens after that? And she said, I don't know. And I told her, I said, how would you like to know? So I kind of explained the same story about Christ, and she, uh, and I said, can I pray for you? And she said, can I get my family? And I said, that would be awesome. So she got her family and we prayed with her. And when we're done praying, the pastor told me, she said, I think we'll come to your church Sunday and hear what you have to say. And I was amazed just how God was moving and that if I would step out of my comfort zone and not be afraid, I mean, I was petrified. So standing in front of you today, if it was two weeks ago and I was told, run home and get a sermon and come and preach to you, I would have been scared out of my mind. And I'm still a little nervous, but I know I'm with family, and I know I'm with people that love me, and that you have the love of Christ in you, so I'm feeling that love as well. And I know that many of you have prayed for me while I was over there and prayed for our team. And I want to thank you for the donations. We were able to completely paint the uh, house, um, both inside and out, 
And then beyond that, we were able to buy a queenside bed for the mama who cooks for these 16 boys that live in this house. And she was living, she was sleeping on a beat up old mattress in the, in the corner of the room. And so we got her a nice queen size bed, posters, mattress, sheets, pillows, everything. And it, it was neat that she was able to see that. And then um, when they did the unveiling, we had a beautiful ceremony. They invited the pastors from the church and different dignitaries. But the kids put on dances for us. Um, again, they asked me to do one quick impromptu uh, sermon. And then uh, at the end of that, they did the unveiling. And I was fine up to the point when I pulled the curtain and saw Terry's name. And of course, I broke down and they were all in line to give me a hug. And I just said, you know, I don't care what part of the world you're in. If you have people that believe uh, in Christ and know Christ, they're real. And that's a real love because it's a love that that we receive from Christ. Um, and so, like I said, as I come before you this morning, um, I know that I'm loved because I have the love of Christ. And only Christ himself can love me more than what you could through his love. Um, my uh, sermon this morning is on the mind on Christ. We're talking about our minds and how we use them. What do we think about? during our days what do we, we you know what, what occupies your mind I mean is it hey do I have enough money are my kids okay well, there's a lot of things that will occupy our minds like even today I like I hope he gets done in time so I can beat the methods to lunch you know whatever it might be there's a lot of things that you know will occupy our minds and sometimes we get so preoccupied that stress comes in and then as we know anxiety and stress can do more than just cause us to be filled down it can actually cause sickness and disease and um and it's powerful you know our minds are powerful things and um they can manifest problems for us or they can manifest good thoughts depending on you know what the situation is in our mind there's been multiple books written and perhaps you've read you know the power of positive thinking you know by uh, norman vincent peale you know it was written in i think 1957 and um and while he credits a lot of that to Christ, as I was listening to the audible, some of it, a lot of it has to do with, you know, conjuring, using your brain and your mind and thinking on things. And there was also another book called Think and Grow Rich. Uh, and it was, uh, Napoleon Hill wrote this book in 1935. And it was like, hey, whatever you can conjure up in your mind can be real if you can see it first in your mind. And if you see it, then you can start believing it. If you believe it, it can, come, it can become real. When we give our lives to Christ and accept Him as Lord, um, we become a child of God. We become a new creation. In fact, the Bible tells us that what we become joint heirs with Christ. We're just like we were born directly you know, into God's world. But we become, we become adopted and we're in that new family. In a family, uh, whether it's a cultural family, you know, on another globe, or it's uh, our personal families that we have here, families were created by God, just like we know that marriage was created by God. Um, and as a child of God, you're loved unconditionally. God doesn't say, I love you if. He says, I love you, period. Um, and sometimes that's hard for us to believe. I know that... Uh, you know, God's love is not based on what you do. In Isaiah 54.10, he says this, The mountains and the hills may crumble, 
but, I, but my love for you will never end. And in Romans 8, 38, 39, we read, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things that are present or things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But do we live with that realization, you know, that we're loved like that, that we're in this family? Do we think about that love of God and the grace that he's bestowed upon us? And if we accept Jesus Christ and we believe in our heart that he was raised to the dead and we, we understand and believe that, you know, that we are a new creation, uh, that we have this new spirit, we also understand that we have this old flesh. And, um, you know, and there's conflict there. Paul tells us in Romans 7, 15, 18, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do everything I hate. Now, if I do not if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So we don't have the ability in our own power to follow God. Um, you know, God has this standard up here. He says, this is my standard. I'm not lowering it. you got to meet it. And this is what I explained to them over there. I said, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he says, this is my standard. you got to meet it. And he can't. That's why I sent my son. And I explained to them who Jesus Christ was and the love of Jesus Christ. Um, and talked about assurance to them. In fact, one woman, uh, we came up to her and she said, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again Christian. And the pastor beside me was looking at me and he's like, I don't think so. He said, I don't know this lady. I think there's something going on here. He felt something. So I started asking her about assurance. And then she changed. And she said, I'm a Muslim. And she was basically hoping to just get us out of there. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Oh, thank you very much. Just say a prayer get out of here. And she said, I don't, I don't want your Bible. I don't want your prayers. And she was very nice. She wasn't mean. She didn't hit me with a stick. Thank goodness. But she uh, was adamant, and she said, there's a man running around on the earth right now that's God, a physical man, and God is in oxygen. And she was saying all kinds of off-the-wall stuff. And, and she said, thank you, but I don't want anything. And as we were walking down, and we were getting ready to walk to the other place, I just felt, I stopped the pastor and the assistant pastor. I said, let's not leave this property without praying for, these, for this woman. Uh, and so we did. We prayed for her right then. And... Um, what was neat, what brought to, uh, was brought to my mind is I asked him to write down every name of every person that we talked to, whether they accepted Christ or they didn't. And I have a list of those people's names, and I'm going to share that with the church so that I would pray that you folks would pray for these people individually so that uh, they will either be encouraged as they become new Christians or that Christ will touch their heart and they will want to know who this Jesus is. Um, anyway, for this reason, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect sacrifice, right? For our transgressions and was accepted by the Father. And the proof of that was, right, that the Father raised him from the dead and he's now seated at the right hand. And we were reconciled with God by what Christ did on the cross. And that's that was the gospel message I was doing. Now, we know that the evil one will try to convince us, you know, because you fail, how can you possibly, how can this perfect God possibly love you? Look at you. 
you make mistakes. All of us do this, don't we? I mean, I, I have times where I'm thinking, God, how can you keep on forgiving me? How can you keep on saying, okay, Jim, pick it back up again. Come back to me. I'm right here. I'm right here. How can you keep doing that? And then I have to remember that this Jesus died for me before I was born. So he knew the mistakes I was even going to make. So I was like, I can't fathom that kind of love. You know, and so our minds become a battlefield. Um, we can either listen to what God has already said about us, or we can determine that we're going to listen to the lies that are told about us. When we receive Christ, uh, we not only receive the Holy Spirit, we receive a sound mind. Listen to what it says in Timothy chapter 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So in Romans 12, 2, it talks about renewing our mind. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This renewing of your mind is not something you did. It's something that is done to you through the Holy Spirit. Remember, he says the renewing of your mind, that's also done by what his God has done for you through his spirit. Um, in order for that, and the Bible says that, you know, our heart is inherently evil and it requires the spirit for any righteousness. Well, how can we possibly think that through our own determination that we're going to have a right mind? That we're going to do that on our own? Uh, we can, like I said, uh, however, we can use that renewed mind and focus what's important. One author stated correctly that the renewing of your mind means interpreting life through the lens of God's word and inspiration rather than through the lens of your experiences, woundedness, trauma, preferences, or opinions of others. We say that we walk by faith, but do we always? Do we look at the circumstances surrounding us and start saying, okay, what is my mind focused on now? Am I quickly right back down here because of what someone might say about me? Or the circumstance that happens to me. What did I do wrong that this is happening in my life? You know, Jesus asked that question too. Is it, is this person, this situation because of his sin or his father's sin? Sin is in the world. You know, sometimes people want to attribute, oh, look at this guy. He has a poor life. Hey, he must really be messing up. Sin's in the world. That's, that's a fact. God doesn't look at you and love you any less because you have a different circumstance than somebody else. We can look at some people, they just seem to have a Pollyanna life. You're like, wow, they just seem to be cruising through. They just must be either great Christians or very, very lucky. No, God doesn't think like we think. He doesn't see like we see. And when we start determining that our God is different than what the circumstances are in front of us, and we start understanding and using that renewed mind and set our minds there. That's what it says here. It says, um, uh, there is a say, there's a saying, everybody knows this saying, he is so heavenly minded that he is no earthly good. We've all heard that. And Paul tells us in Colossians 3, 1, 2, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your minds on the things that are above, not the things that are earth. You hear this word? Set your mind. So there's an action. Even though 
our minds were uh, part of what we were given, the sound mind. We have an action that we can set our minds on those things that were above. And he tells us to do that, to set your minds on those things that are above. Uh, I've used this illustration before, and I'm going to use it again because to me it just seems so poignant. I would like you to extend your arms out and point your index forward up. And you guys, some of you have done this before, so do what I'm doing. Come on, don't be shy. Come on, I had to step out and talk to people that didn't speak my language. <laughs> All right, I want you to focus on your finger and just concentrate right on your finger. Everything else behind it looks blurry, does it not? Now take your focus off your finger and look past your finger. Your finger now becomes out of focus. This illustration is Jesus Christ is, your forefinger would be Jesus Christ. And when you focus on him, what does the song say about the cares of the world? Um, They become dim. And, that, and that's exactly right. When you, you, it's hard to focus on two things at one time. So if we're focusing on Jesus Christ, all the cares start to fall away. They, they there, but they become in the background. The moment we take our eyes off of Christ and start focusing on our problems, they become the focus. And then, yeah, we're going to naturally be down. We're going to naturally start falling and start following and saying, I can fix this. What do I get to do? And start frantically, frantically worrying about things. Um, when we focus on the curse of the world, we do. We take our eyes off of it. And, you know, we're going to have problems. We're going to have issues in here. And I'm, and I'm not talking about suffering and grief. Everybody knows, you know, who knows better about our grief than our than the Lord Jesus Christ? Nobody. And I'm not talking about, hey, this just happened to you. You set your mind to Christ and you'll be fine and they're not going to grieve. I know firsthand that's not true. But I also know firsthand who holds tomorrow. And I witnessed young boys that have absolutely nothing. I talked to a little a boy named Emmanuel, 16 years old, and he was telling me that he has a mother, and he uh, was living with his mother and sister, and he decided because they didn't have enough food, uh, at one time his sister, who was married, his older sister, was bringing food to them. But her husband said, no more. We don't have enough. Stop bringing them food. And his mother had, you know, had no skills, could bring in very little money. So he decided on his own, there's not enough for just my mom and my sister. I'm going to go live on the streets. And that's why he was on the streets. Um, but I just watched the joy in this boy's face. And just, I was like, how can you be this way? How can you do have this love for Christ? He just had smiles ear to ear. And when you hear him talking about Christ, it just blew my mind. It's like he's wondering where he's going to eat. And thankfully, obviously, he was found and brought to this um, new boy's home. And now he has people that are with him that are feeding him and taking care of him. And, and he is like so thankful. Um, it. it I'm like everybody else. I, I, I can be in a circumstance like that. I can go to a place like Uganda, and when I first come back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got hot water. And when we got there, uh, the house they put in, it was a very nice guest house, but it wasn't finished. Um, they had heaters to heat the water, but they weren't connected. They didn't even have water there. And we had to call, and the landlord had, can you imagine America calling somebody and having somebody deliver something at 3 o'clock in the morning? They were able to get a hold of somebody and bring water at 3 o'clock in the morning. 
However, this water was just pumped out of the ground, so it was 50-some degrees. And uh, taking a shower in that, oh my. I, I could, every time one of us took a shower, you could tell because you could hear the scream. Okay, I'm like exaggerating, but I, I come back and I think about the warm water, but it doesn't take me very long to get used to it again and forget that I have that and forget about all these blessings that I have in this country that they don't have there. And sometimes I wonder, are they really blessings? I mean, we have, I see people that walk for 40 minutes to go to church and then they spend four hours, I promise I won't give you four hours, singing and praising. And I'm like, this is all day. I mean, when you go to church over there, you better pack a lunch. You're going to be there for a while. Um, but they're so happy to be there and just to be in the presence of God. Like, wow, are they not as blessed as us? I wonder sometimes if they might be blessed more because they have to rely on God so much. And it's like, wow, maybe we need more of that. Um, and we have circumstances. What do our circumstances do to us? Do they make us push us to God or do they push us away from God and rely on our own? And I, I watch these kids and I see joy. And we know the difference between joy and, and happiness. Happiness is circumstance. Happiness, everything's going my way. I get a nice pizza. I'm walking back to my table. I trip and falls on the ground. I'm no longer happy. Joy is who I know. And that joy is there no matter what happens in my circumstances. And we know, like I said, is that we have this battle. We have two parts. We have the spirit in us, but we also have this body made of clay. And in Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7 and 9, you don't have, like I said, you can write these down if you want. Or, um, I won't take your time waiting for you to get to them. But Second Corinthians 4, 7 to 9, we read this. But we have this treasure, the Holy Spirit, in clays of jar, our mortal body, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. We receive this new spirit, not a body, so that all glory goes to God. Because if God gave us a new spirit and a new body, it would be very difficult for us right here on earth to give glory to God. It's like, look, I can do anything now. I'm never going to get sick. Nothing's going to happen. One day we will have that body. But because our, we have these bodies in clay jar, we have to rely on God. And all glory goes to Him. So no matter what our affliction, like Paul says, you know, he wanted the thorn in the side going, and God told him, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Is God's grace sufficient for us? Do we really recognize that it's sufficient for us? I saw that firsthand, that it was sufficient for some of these people. And it's amazing. And don't get me wrong. There was a lot of them that they wanted out of that circumstance so bad and they were begging, hey, I'd like to come to America. Can you bring me to America? I mean, it's sad to see, you know, the situations and that you have to walk away from those situations and knowing that you can't help all of them. I know a lot of you remember a little boy named Pangashak. He was the boy that was crippled and had his feet turned in. And I didn't realize I asked the pastor. He goes, he's right there in the church. And he came running up and watching this boy run with no limp or anything like that. It was amazing. And then uh, on Tuesday, I got to see his mother and her little shack. And the boy running back and forth. And I had video of that. And she said, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. I said, well, I didn't think I'd see you either. But it just shows me, you know, just the power of God. Because 
if you remember the story back then, I we just were preaching and we were also had a little first aid and his mother, when we were telling him about that, she threw her, uh, ran in the hut and pulled out this little boy that was crippled and said, fix him. I'm like, uh, we'd like to do in first aid. I, you know, I, there's nothing I can do. And she threw her arms around my feet and said, please, please fix him. And I was like, so full of compassion to this woman that was just, and found out later that she was going to the church and that has been her prayer. You see, I, I had an idea of what I was going to get accomplished when I went to Uganda. God said, I have a different idea. He said, this woman has been praying all this time, and I'm answering her prayer. You just don't realize that you're going to be a part of it. And I was no credit to me because I was ready to say, I'm sorry, we don't. And if she would have relented and just went back in her hut, I said, oh, that's sad. I would have prayed for him and been gone. But she didn't give up. She said, she said please, please, please. And I called Patrick, and he said, let's check this hospital. Before we knew it, one person was talking about surgery and what they would have to do. Before we knew it, we're in a hospital that charged nothing for this. They said, that's what we do. We get money from other Americans, and that's what this hospital does. And they plastered his feet and moved his feet every week for six weeks until he was, uh, until he could walk again. And it was just incredible. And it showed me, and I forgot until I saw that boy's face again, it showed me that how God answers prayers. He doesn't always answer it the way we think he's going to. And we say, there's, the fact that I can take a breath right now, I have to say, thank you, God. We forget that. I mean, the very next breath that we take, it's hard to breathe when you start having to think about it. You ever notice that? Start thinking about your breath. It's like, it's like then I start having trouble breathing. But it's, uh, the very breath that we take is from God. And that, I, if we just open our eyes and start seeing the miracles and the things happening around us, they're everywhere. God reveals it to us in the very nature, in the very place that we live. Um, we don't have to go a continent away. But what happens for me, for by going a continent away, it refocuses me and says, wow, there is this God. There is this just amazing God. So where do we put our trust? You know, we don't, like I said, we don't have to look very far. Um, it's easy to, you know, put our trust in other, other places. And we know, uh, the pastor said many times, this is not our home. We're sojourners. It's all we're, we're passing through here. But Christ tells us that the kingdom of God is at hand, right? And that means that we can live in that light right now. You know, we talk and think about heaven and someday we're going to be there. That's right. But why not bring heaven right now to people who need Christ now on this earth? That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We can be living in that light today if we focus on the things that we're supposed to focus on. Um, you know, we, we also know in Ephesians we hear that, uh, you know, that, um, you know, we, I guess Paul tells us that uh, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but you know, against the powers of darkness, against spiritual forces. And then we need to set our mind and put the full armor of God on. Understand that you're in a battle. But remember, we're in a battle that's already been won. You know, it's already been won through Jesus Christ, through his life, his death, his resurrection. And as Christians, we have to remember that truth and have to live in that truth. Proverbs tells us, trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your understanding. And in Romans 15, 3, Paul writes, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace 
as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have the most restful sleep sometimes when we feel everything's fine in our lives, you know, that our kids are good and, you know, there's no issues from that. But we can rest in what Christ has done every day. And we have to look to that hope. Um, you know, we don't have to give room in our minds for stinking thinking. Um, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not talking about grief or heartache. Um, we're humans and God understands who we are. When I say stinking things, I'm saying don't let the evil one be your advisor. Because he wants to be that. You know, He's only here for a short time. And he's running around like a blind waiting to devour us. And we can listen to his lies or we can listen and say, I know what God says about me. Right? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's hard to say that sometimes. I can say, well, that sounds like it. No, that's what God says about me. So I'm not going to let anybody else tell me about me when God's already said, hey, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made in my image. You belong to me. I purchased you with a price. You are mine. Amen and amen, right? That's who we belong to. Let's live like we belong to Christ. Like we're alive, like the kingdom of heaven is at hand right now. That's how we should be living. In uh, Peter first, uh, 1, 3, 1, we read this. Uh, it says, um, uh, Therefore, and this is referring to the previous verses, Preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your mind, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your mind fully on what? Set your mind fully on the grace that will be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where are we setting our mind? Who are we allowing to talk to us? Who are what are we doing with the renewed minds that we have? Remember, if you're a child of Christ, you accepted him, you have a Holy Spirit, God says you have a sound mind too. Sometimes we don't talk like we have a sound mind. We sound like we're mindless. You know. And as we per, you know, project things to other people, what do they see? Are, are they hearing about Christ or are they hearing about our problems first? You know, um, We're all going to fail. We, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to start... Being like the, sometimes like the Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. I mean, we've all seen that guy, right? He's like, you could say, hey, Eeyore, look, at this, the sun's out. He says, yeah, I know. Oh, I know. But it's going to rain probably later. You know, that's how he, have you talked to people even in church that talk like that? I know. And, and it's like, and it's like every week you're saying, I gotta try to pick this person up. It's like, let's start concentrating on who Jesus Christ is. Let's put our focus on him. Let's put our mind, let's use the sound mind that God had us. Let's have the joy and let people see the joy that we have in our lives because we know who Jesus Christ is. If you want to bring somebody to Christ, the first thing you got to do is you got to go to Christ. And you got to kneel humbly before him and you say, Lord, give me the words. I, I don't know what to speak. That's even now. Hey, some of these words I'm saying, I'm mad living. You know, but I... I what I have found when I got thrown in front of these people said, just talk. I know I'm in front of people that love Christ. I know I'm in front of the people that love me through Christ. 
So I'm not going to have fear. Two weeks ago, I would have been trembling, like I said. But I know who you are. I know that you guys love me. And I was like, am I afraid to talk to people that love me? I'm afraid to make a mistake. And I really appreciate you, Bob. I mean, I, I think you purposely forgot that last stanza just to make me feel good in case I screwed up. Thank you for that. So, yeah, it was really nice of you to do that. Yeah. But we can rest knowing that Jesus has done it all by his sacrifice. And the grace was given to us by God. You know, words can influence us. And your own words, how you speak to yourself can influence you. You know, um, you have joy. Express it. You have sadness, that's fine. Express that too. But don't let your job, don't let your joy be robbed by Satan. Don't let him tell you who you aren't. You know, God knows our problems. He knows our afflictions. And he's willing and able to lead us through them. He tells us that he will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. You know, and, and, and some of us, all of us, are going to go through the valley of shadow of death. He doesn't say he's going to keep us from going through it. He just says, I'll be with you. Just remember that. I, I'm, I'm holding on to a hand and I don't want to let it go. Because sometimes this life is scary. You know, we've seen recently, you know, people passing away in our church and be taken like that. And we've seen others that are sick and illness. And it's like, when is this going to stop? It's going to stop when Jesus Christ comes back. That's what's going to stop. So we have to just put our, do we want to put our hope in the circumstances that we see every day? If that's the case, then this place will be empty. But we come here because we have hope. And we hope to hear about Christ. And we hope to hear the gospel. If you tell nothing more than the gospel message every single day to somebody, that's all you got to tell them. Why Jesus? Let them know who Jesus is. So what do I think about The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 4 to 8. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Get rid of the stinking thinking. Use that renewed mind that God gave you. Remember, you have a sound mind. Use it. We are in a battle. There's a battlefield in our minds, and we have, like I said, we fight because we still have this flesh on. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, right? We have the Holy Spirit in us, and what do you think the Holy Spirit's doing? It's communing with the God constantly. So you are praying without ceasing. You're already doing that, you just don't know it. All you need to do is join the Holy Spirit with God. You know, if, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Holy Spirit, that's God dwelling in you. That's the Holy Spirit. If he's dwelling in you, he's communing with God. All you got to do is say, hey, can I join along in this? And then I'm using my mind in the way God wants me to use it. Don't let anyone, your circumstances, and certainly not Satan himself, rob you of the joy that you have in Jesus Christ.
set your mind on Christ.